you would to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we're going to look at a foundation for this message tonight. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation, so you can follow along in whatever translation you have. The Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5, Now regarding the questions you asked in your letter, Yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. Mm -hmm. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Mm -hmm. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time, Mm -hmm. so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So we're continuing our series entitled Happy in Marriage. And this is part three. Uh, The subtitle for today is Sex 101, or better stated, The Act of Becoming one. Mm-hmm. So obviously in this series, we're talking about the fact that you can be happy in marriage. And uh, we know that that's God's will. Yes. You know, we know that God hates divorce, but I believe just as passionately, God hates unhappiness in a marriage. And the reason why I believe is because he designed marriage to be happy, for you to be blessed and be filled with the joy of the Lord as a result of this godly union. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to be happy in marriage, it, it's going to take work. Yes. I, I remember they taught us in ministry school that marriage is spelled W-O-R-K, mm-hmm. which means essentially you've got to work at it in order for uh, it to be good and to be as God has designed. Yes. Obviously, there's four major areas in marriage that can create an environment for happiness to be, mm-hmm. but also... Uh, failure in any one of these four areas could actually open the door or lead to divorce. I mean, if you Google the causes of divorce, Mm -hmm. sex and money, money and sex are usually at the top of the list, Mm -hmm. Um, communication issues or, and then including uh, issues where the children are concerned. So communication, sex, money, and children are major areas in a marriage that you know, we challenge you to focus on. And so over the past few weeks, and of course today and the next week, we want to be able to pour into your heart as it relates to these. Obviously, we started this on communication because it's the most important. It's the foundation. It's really not the money that messes up the marriage. It's not the sex or failure in sex that messes it up, or even children. I mean, children are supposed to be a blessing from the Lord. How could then they be uh, deemed as the cause of divorce? Um, Really, what I have found through counseling and just through understanding life and the Word of God, it's communication 
about any of these areas that really open the door to trouble. Mm-hmm. So tonight we're going to talk about sex and uh, or more specifically, I like to call it the act of becoming one. Mm-hmm. And what we want you to remember at the top is that it's, it's not the sex, it's the communication about it that's really, really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, being able to open up and talk about it with your spouse is so vital to the success of your relationship. So now I've shared this in in our Covenant Keepers message and other messages I've ministered on the subject of marriage. Um, Always remember that your assignment, your God-given assignment in marriage is to love your spouse like God loves them and at the highest levels humanly possible. So, for example, we have been given a commandment to love one another as Jesus loves us. And so we are to love one another. And and that includes, you know, I'm supposed to love my wife. I'm supposed to love my kids. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to love my brothers and sisters in Christ, my extended family members. Um, I'm supposed to love, you know, folks that are on the job, in the church, you name it. We're supposed to love everybody. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference. It is. <laughs> you know, um, especially from guy to guy. I mean, there's a limit to the the expression of love. I can love you with the God kind of love. And I can love my wife with that same God kind of love. Mm-hmm. But there ought to be a limit to the way I express the God kind of love that I have for you as compared to her. Mm-hmm. And so always remember that our assignment in marriage is to love our spouse like God loves them and at the highest level humanly possible, which talks about sexual intimacy. Mm-hmm. So if you could go ahead and read <clears throat> verse two. Okay. So First Corinthians 7 and 2 um, through 5, again, we're reading in the New Living Translations. It says, because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. So what's really cool about this is that the Bible does actually talk about sex. (laughs) It talks about sexual relations, sexual immorality. It talks about it in a good way. It talks about the negative things as a result of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But the first thing he says is because there's so much sexual immorality, And I mean, if you just turn on the television or the radio, if it was in that day, surely it is in this day. There's so much that's sexually immoral that's happening in the world around us. But particularly, we're not just talking about sexual immorality in the world. We're talking about sexual immorality in marriage. Mm. Uh, And so I want to talk about that because... I mean, obviously, the marriage license gives us God-ordained permission to have sexual intimacy between us. 
what in the world could be sexually immoral between a husband and a wife? Mm -hmm. I'm glad you asked because there are things that can happen mm -hmm. in marriage that are not moral or not right. When you talk about something that's immoral, in other words, it's not right. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, uh, sexual immorality in marriage, it, it is not right to not have sex in marriage. I agree. Does that make sense? I mm -hmm. mean, one of the worst or torments in life is to lie in bed, have permission by God to be intimate sexually. Mm-hmm with your marriage partner and not be able to have them intimately. Um, it, it's frustration. It's torment. It's like torture. It's like really, really bad. Don't leave me out here today. Come on, talk to me now. <laughs> that is not right. And so if you are a married couple, um, there should be frequent um, intimacy. It should not be that we go from a month to two months to I don't remember the last time it was when we came together. Um, that is that is sexually immoral. The Bible in a moment is going to talk about defrauding not. But I, I just want to establish, you know, what, what could be wrong? What could be sexually immoral in marriage? Well, number one, um, not having sex, you know, defrauding one another. Uh, of course, we know that that having married, having sexual relations, like sexual relations, outside of marriage is mm -hmm. immoral. Yes. And, and and that's in a marriage where you're being sexual with someone outside of marriage. That's immoral. Um, pornography is, is sexually Im immorality in marriage, you know, for the husband and also for the wife. And if you look at the word pornography, um, it's the writings of a prostitute. And so obviously, you know, pornography in the mind today is immediately something on the Internet, something on the television or cable or, you know, at the sex shop. So but pornography is also in the paperback book. And, and so for the wife and for the husband, we've got to remember that there are things that we can do that would be considered sexually immoral in marriage. And, but, and there's other things. But here's the beauty of it, Marquita. God says in order to avoid sexual immorality in marriage, mm -hmm. have sex. Yeah. Uh, be active in the act of becoming one. He says, let every husband fulfill his wife's sexual needs and let every wife fulfill her husband's sex sexual needs. He even says that your body is not your own, but belongs to your wife or you know, wife, your body is not your own, but glory to God. Speak that, Pastor. Amen. Her body, I'm not getting no amens. Nowhere. Amen. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, what I like most or find to be most interesting about 1 Corinthians 7 and 2 is just how it's phrased. Um that it says this so much sexual immorality. When you look back during the Bible times, there was prostitution. It was, you know, there. Um, but I think the difference, Pastor, between then and now is uh, the exposure. 
And so back then, television wasn't a big deal. Technology wasn't as big a deal as it is now. So in our in today's world, uh, you can turn on any channel and it's just blatantly there. You don't really have to search for it. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is I like how it says that each man should um, have his own wife and the woman should have her own husband. And so it's a directive that, you know, I learned as a teenager, get married or burn. So you don't <laughs> you don't have sexual relations outside of the confines in which the Lord has said that you're, you're supposed to have it. And so I want to add to what you were saying that as a husband, as a wife, this this block of scripture is very intentional with saying that we ought to be intentional mm -hmm. about meeting the needs of our spouse. And so it makes it clear that when you have a desire, when the, the feeling comes upon you and in my mind, I just saying Marvin Gaye, I'm sorry, um, <laughs> When that when that, you get that feeling, get that so feeling. you you want to then turn to the spouse and which you have mm -hmm. to fulfill those needs. And so I like how it's written when the two becomes one, you're one flesh. So my body is no longer just mine, but it's his and, and that and vice versa. So a very powerful verse of scripture. So be intentional in meeting your spouse's need. One of the big reasons why communication is huge is because if you're not communicating what your needs are, then how can that person meet your needs? And so um, husbands, if, if you want to be more active with your wife, you know, then express it, you know, be able to have the conversation in the same way. Wives, if you want to be more, uh, active or oh, you want to try things different or spice it up um communication becomes the foundation or we we said it over the the last couple of times that we've gotten together that communication is the foundation it's important and people have these myths about sex that are really just untruths but the bible is clear you have a spouse in which has been given to you that you found that you adore that has been given to help fulfill those needs and so wives speak up mm -hmm. you know um don't be afraid to talk to the person that is your partner in life and let them know what your needs are he can't fulfill them if he does not know so obviously again failure in this particular area of sexual intimacy opens the door to divorce and so one of the things the scripture immediately deals with is when sexual immorality enters in. And obviously it can take different forms. Another form outside of adultery, pornography, not having sexual intimacy is even comparison. Um, and and, and like, like I said, the list could just be gone, can go on and on. But verse five, it says again, to not to deprive each other of sexual relations. Uh, unless you both agree to refrain and, and gives the, the confines. And then he says, be sure to get back at it. Um, so it's so important um, that there should be, I mean, for husbands and wives, whether you're in your 60s or 70s or your 30s or your 20s or anywhere in between, there ought to be some regularity, some forget. 
it shouldn't be that we just wait until we both get that feeling for sexual healing. Um, it ought to be uh, at least every week. All right. Uh, I'm throwing that out there no matter your age. Uh, and then and then more importantly, it should be communicated because if your needs are above just once a week, um, certainly uh, like once a month just doesn't seem right. Amen. <laughs> So now again, let me let me let me put this back in the in the forefront of your mind. Always remember your assignment in marriage is to love your spouse. When we talk about sex, we're not talking about like they talk about it in the world. Mm-hmm. I really don't even like to use that word when we talk about intimacy between us. Mm-hmm. It's, if anything, we say, you know, can we make love tonight? You know, we, we use the reality. This is the act of becoming one. That's what it's about. Mm -hmm. And as you see, as we get ready to dive in deeper into this, um, you'll see that it is beyond um, the physicality of it. And it becomes almost to the point where it's spiritual. Mm -hmm. Uh, It transcends just the flesh and it goes deeper. So again, always remember that your God-given assignment, when God gave you me as your husband, when, when, when God gave you me, uh, you, when God gave me, you as my wife, when God gave you your spouse, he mm-hmm. gave you an assignment. And it's essentially, he says, I want you to love her the way that I love her. And at the highest level, humanly possible, mm-hmm. I can say you say to you at church that I love you. And I mean it. I love you with an unconditional love, but there's only one human being that I can express that love at the highest level humanly possible. Mm-hmm. For the guys, I can shake your hand and give you a half hug. But for, for me to be able to express the love that I have to her, um, it, 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 it's at a very, very high level. John 15, 13 says this, that greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. Mm-hmm. There are ways that love can be expressed. Mm-hmm. And Jesus even quantifies. He says, when someone lays his life down and dies someone, so that someone else can live, that's the highest level of love humanly expressed. Okay. Isn't that powerful? So now notice, what's the second highest level of love? I believe it's found within the confines of a marriage where a man can can express love to his wife mm-hmm. at a level that he can't express. He can't express love like that for his mother. He can't express love like that for his father or for his friends. He can't express love like that, you know, with a stranger. It, it is designed by God within the confines of man. Oh, this is about to get good. Can you read for me the definition of uh, sex and marriage? Um, sex and marriage is defined as love expressed at the second highest level humanly possible. So this is when you take your body and parts of your body and express the love of God unconditional to your spouse. Um, so that's the, the so definition. I'm, I'm smiling because when you said when you take your body and then parts of your body to express your love, um, there's a song that came out right about the time when we got married. I don't recommend this artist. I'm not, I'm not recommending this song, but there's a part of this song that 
man, when I heard it, I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to read you some of the lyrics. It says, again, think in mind the way she read the definition. Sex and marriage is when um, is being able to express love at the highest level, second highest humanly possible. Uh, sex and marriage is when you take your body and parts of your body to express love to the person that you're married to. Mm-hmm. Um, the song says, these lips can't wait to taste your skin, baby. These eyes can't wait to see you grin. Oh, oh, baby. Just let my love, just let my love adorn you. Please, baby. And you got to know, you got to know, you know that I adore you. Yeah, baby. Baby, these fists will always protect you, lady. And this mind will never neglect you. Yeah, baby. Oh, baby, if they try to break us down, don't let that affect us. No, baby. You just got to let my love, let my love, let my love adorn you. <laughs> you are so quiet. <laughs> hey, I'm letting you get it out. Get it out. So think about it. Um, God, all the parts of our body were created and designed by God. And God creates opportunity. Mm-hmm. You can I can love Marquita with my eyes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, can, I can love her with my heart, right? But I also can love her with my hands, right? I, I can take my body and parts of my body um, and express love. You know, I, I, I say this, you know, sometimes, and, you know, people talk about in marriage, you know, through death, through his part, through sickness and in health. Um, it's not just about um, the physical the, the physical act of sexual uh, of sex. You know, if if I wasn't able for whatever reason to be with my wife in that way, I still got hands. I still got a smile. I, I I've got feet. You know, come on, somebody. In other words. Sex and marriage is when you take your body or parts of your body. In other words, she's got parts of her body that she can love me with. Yes. Man, it's so quiet. That's okay. <laughs> then I will get back to my message. That's okay. Sex and marriage is not limited. Also, it's not limited to an orgasm. And it's not simply about performance. It's not simply about sexual performance. And it's not limited to an orgasm. Now, again, the Bible talks about let each husband make sure that you fulfill your wife's sexual needs. And, and so one of the things that I am very conscientious about is making sure that she has an orgasm. I know that's extremely translucent, but that's important. Uh, I understand that it's you know typically very easy for a man to orgasm in comparison to a, a, a wife or a husband in comparison to a wife. But these things are important in the context of which we speak. When love unconditional is expressed between a husband and a wife properly, orgasm can and should be the result. And, 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 I, and, I, and I speak to that because think about it. Who designed the orgasm in the first place? God did that. Mm-hmm. You don't need that 
for procreation. You don't need to have an orgasm in order to get pregnant and have children. No. And so sex, the act of becoming one, was created by God and is intended for pleasure. And so uh, we challenge you with these things to talk about it. Yeah. And it goes um, a bit further than that. I am going through the Bible presently one year, and uh, there's a book of the Bible, Song of Solomon. Every time I go through it, it makes me blush, uh, simply because um, the language that is used is not, um, uh, trying to think of the word to use, but it's, it's, the old English, it's Romeo and, and Juliet uh, type English that is written. And you actually see into the heart of a man, which is King Solomon, who's in love with his wife. And he uses very, um, I'm trying to think of the word to use, uh, descriptive words to express what he delights about his wife. And so I will go further with saying that sex is not only just a physical act, but romance is actually necessary. It's needed. And when you read the book of Solomon, if you have not, if it's one of those chapters you get to and you read a cover, it's like, oh, and you flip over it, don't um, take your time, especially if you're married, to actually read through it. You may be inspired. Um, it's okay to, I think the, the term is sexting your spouse um, throughout the day. And that's in essence what King Solomon did for his wife. He talked about how beautiful she was yeah. and and he used Man, these words to express, you know, just how fond of her he mm -hmm. was. Um, and he, he used, you know, uh, metaphors that was privy and, and important to the time in which they were in to describe how he felt about her. And the wife did the same. Let me delight in you, my love. She called him a stag on, mm -hmm. you know, several different occasions. And so um, it's not only just a physical act. Mm -hmm. um, ladies, I will go further with saying that romance, the mm -hmm. foreplay, the things that lead up to it um, is all a part of the sexual act and they're all important. That is sexual intimacy. Yes. Again, it's not just about that one moment where, you know, there's penetration. No, this goes much deeper than that. You know, and again, if there's uh, for health reasons or other reasons, if there's difficulty in that, uh, in, in that area, free your mind. Mm -hmm. This is about you being able to express the love of God, unconditional love to your spouse to, to again, take your body or parts of and parts of your body to express it at the highest level. I, I want to speak um, to both the men and, and the women, but particularly the women. Um, speaking as a man, your husband is attracted to your body. You may not have the shape that you used to have in your youth, but your naked body is a blessing to your husband. Um, I'm very thankful to God that my wife doesn't hide her body from me. Uh, the Bible says in, at the very beginning, in Genesis 2.25, that they were both naked 
the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. That's a beautiful expression of love. Again, that's expressing love at a high level. You can't do that in the public. You can't do that with strangers. You can't do that with family members. You can't do that with your kids. But you can do that with your spouse. You can be naked, um, naked and, and not ashamed. And so, you know, maybe again, you're a little bit older and you didn't have, you don't have the figure that you used to have. Don't be ashamed of your body. Your, your body is attractive to your husband. Listen to me. I can remember as a kid, uh, we'd sneak and look through the National Geographic books because they would take pictures of people in Africa. <laughs> you know, the Aborigines didn't wear much clothing. And, you know, they weren't the pornographic model of, you know, the American, you know, uh, no, man, this, but it was, you know, it was, so please understand, God wants you to be able, to, both the husband and the wife, to be before one another and not be ashamed. Yes. Um, Let's look at a, another passage of scripture. In Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 15, and all of these, again, are designed for sexual health or to help you in the act of becoming one. Mm -hmm. He says, this is advice and wisdom from God. He says, drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of waters in the streets, let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Mm -hmm. In the New Testament, New Living T Translation, he says in Proverbs 5 and 17, he says, you should reserve it for yourselves, never share it with strangers. Verse 18 goes on to say, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. Mm -hmm. Verse 19 and 20 say this, as a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breasts satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with love. For why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of an adulteress or seductress? So here we have um, Proverbs that speak specifically to the sanctity of marriage. I want to go further uh, with Pastor even mentioning that, you know, you may not be as shapely, you may not look as you once did when you were younger, or you may experience some kind of sexual, you know, setback or some experience that wasn't great for you um, that is in your past. Do know that once you've become a new creation in Christ, all of that is passed away. There's no more shame in that regard. Um, so allow the past to be the past, but then move forward with your, your spouse at a new level um, where you're engaging in, in the sanctity of marriage that includes sexual intimacy. And so the Bible does tells us that the, the marriage bed is not defiled. So don't get so caught up in believing um, that you're going to be condemned for different desires that you may have. As long as it's within the confines of your home, 
um, and it's uh, agreeable with you and your spouse, um, then you're fine. But don't get so caught up in the myths of what Christians should and should not partake in. Let that be a discovery with yourself and your spouse. Uh, I went to a conference, I want to say back to back, one in October, one, you know, probably in later October, sometime in November. And uh, the wife uh, of the senior pastor spoke and she began to minister to women. And one of the questions were asked, you know, about sex, you know, what do you make of it? How do, how do you fit it in? And she said, you may have a schedule and you may do some things, but every now and again, go off script, go a little off book. If he's used to it being, you know, Tuesday night where it's an off day, you know, surprise him and do something different. Um, and then I went to another conference and, you know, one of the most encouraged things that she said was one of the pillars that helped her relationship grow was three letters. And, you know, I leaned in like, what is it? She say sex. I said, oh, <laughs> well, there you have it. And so I began within myself to develop a schedule. Um, so I would consider myself to be an average, you know, person with a sex drive. I think my husband may be a little higher on the scale in that regards. And so I started to consider him um, and our needs and try and find a happy medium. So I created a schedule um, that on this days and these days and this days um, that we would, you know, share in sexual intimacy and intimacy. But these would be the days that, you know, are off days. And he looked at me like, you said, I said, yes, th those are the days that I say, he's like, ooh, I think I can work with that. And so when you read through Proverbs, it's an encouragement that the that your wife mm -hmm. is who you are and your husband is whom you are to be sexually intimate with. And it's very, you know, specific because if you read in Proverbs, it tells you that if you don't, there's, you know, some consequences that come behind. So he's saying drink water from, you know, in other words, participate in this, enjoy this. Don't do this with a stranger. Why would you do that? Um, he said, again, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Um, and then he says, and always be enraptured by her love. It didn't dawn on me until today. Uh, Anita Baker has a song long time ago, uh, rap, caught up in the rapture of you. Mm -hmm. And and really, when you think about that, uh, to me, it, it, it describes really the orgasm. It's, it's a rapture type of experience. And he's saying that. He's saying always be enraptured or caught up by or with her love. And then he said, and why should you be enraptured with an immoral woman? Why would you, outside of marriage, find yourself uh, in this kind of experience. Um, just before we close, um, and, and just to, to speak again of, of that moment, um, the orgasm is designed by God as a special physiological, emotional experience to only be shared between the husband and the wife. And again, um, you know, your pursuit as a spouse is to express love. It's not about you and what you want or need it's about your being able to express to them to to your spouse mm -hmm. 
love at a high level humanly possible. And he says, rejoice, be caught up, yeah. enjoy it. Have fun. And have fun. Amen. We close with Hebrews chapter 13. We hope you got something out of this. This is like majorly transparent. I mean, you told them that. I mean, every day except for Tuesday, that's like, I had to, I had to think about that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Cut it out. Um, I would even go further to add um, in your, your pursuit of your spouse, if you have a higher uh, sex drive and your spouse is a little on the lower end, uh, be careful not to demand or be selfish. Yeah. Um, so in Ephesians 5 and 25, you know, it speaks to it. I'll reference it, but I won't go there. Um, take the time to look through it, but it, it, it admonishes the husband to love his wife as Christ loves the church and the wife to give respect to her husband. But God asked of us to love him. He doesn't demand it. We get a choice to do so. And the same is true with your relationship with your spouse. Find a happy medium. Yeah. What works for you guys that middle of the road. So if you're higher and they're a little lower, um, yeah. do some negotiating, you know, have a little fun in it, but don't demand it. Right. But then if you're on the lower end, don't be selfish about it. You know, be a giver. So Hebrews, we close with verse uh, four of chapter 13 he says marriage is honorable mm -hmm. among all and the bed is undefiled but fornicators and adulterers god will judge maybe like you i've heard this for many years marriage is honorable and the bed is undefiled the bed is really talking about sexual intimacy mm -hmm. in marriage and there's two sides of that um there's really little to nothing that you can do as a husband and wife that would defile it. Mm -hmm. um, maybe because of past experiences, your thought is, well, I need to be chaste or holy and in this level of intimacy, you know, I need to kind of be reserved. Um, well, no, you know, we just read you scriptures and she talked about Song of Solomon. You're supposed to be able to enjoy it to the full, right? Until it overflows. But notice um, the flip side of that, there are things that could defile the marriage bed. Obviously, he speaks of two, you know, fornication, which is sexual immorality. Uh, again, those are defined very clear for us, you know, pornography, comparison, other kinds of things that could be brought in to the marriage bed that could defile it. And then also, you know, adultery that, you know, again, he said, you should never do that. And, uh, that that's very very much respected and then in the same way if you're forcing your spouse to do something that they don't want to do that can define that that can diminish what god intended uh, in that sexual level of intimacy so it's not just a carte blanche there are things that can mess up that experience but at the same time you're both your hearts are right um, there's very little to nothing that could really diminish it Okay, so we leave you all with that. Um, we pray that this moment, obviously, we could do series just on this one subject alone. You know, next time we get, we'll, we'll be before you next Wednesday. Uh, we'll talk about children, mm -hmm. the age of blended families. It is a really, really, really big deal, really broad topic. We'll collapse it into one, and uh, we hope that you've been blessed by it. 
So thanks again for watching. We do hope to see you all on Sunday morning. Yes. Uh, we'd love to catch you there. Uh, always, you can catch us online, on Facebook, YouTube, and at our church website. Yes. We're going to pray with you before we go. Father, we thank you for those that have partaken of this word tonight. We pray be in a place of brokenness or, or sadness, that you allow your word that was delivered today to bring forth healing, not only in their hearts, but for those that are in marriages, and that you'll restore them to a place of joy and fulfillment in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Know that God loves you. And remember that Jesus came so that you could experience a better life. We'll see you next time.